0: Welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your hazel eyed host, Gary, here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. I am joined by my blue eyed beauty of a wife and co host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. And how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing really well. Everyone say hi to Sam.
0: Yeah, Sam is being very rambunctious tonight. Uh, We just got back from a New York City trip, and I think he missed us. (laughs) I hate to start the show on a sad note, but I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of a voice of Cryptozoology Field that recently passed away. Linda Godfrey, who was the author who brought the world The Beast of Bray Road, Um, She became synonymous with the creature, and her work and the books on it can't be appreciated enough. In fact, it was pretty much her work that I utilized in creating our own episode on the Beast of Bray Road.
1: Yeah, very sad.
0: Yeah, she recently passed away, and she will definitely be missed. So I did want to acknowledge that before we did anything more. Now, uh, let's try and lighten the mood, Goldie Ann. Did you know yesterday I was waiting in line behind a woman with a crying baby? He was screaming something fierce, and the woman turned to me and said he just needed to be changed. So changed into what? Exactly. I mean, she got mad at me when I nodded my head in agreement and said, hopefully changed into a puppy or something quieter. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, some people can be really touchy about that. (laughs) That's actually funny. Oh, good. Well, today's episode involves the story of creepy children appearing out of nowhere with nefarious intentions. Some of the stories may be linked to child murders. Mm. These may be upsetting to some of our listeners. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well... Maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. And with that, Ann. Yes? There is a stillness to the midnight hour. Everything is cast in darkness and silence until you are disturbed from your peaceful slumber by a light knocking at the door. (laughs) Ain't gonna wake me up. Okay. A heavy pounding at the door. (laughs) Okay. It is unclear if you dreamt it or if it was real, until there is another knocking, even louder. Curious as to who could be at your door at such an hour, you rise and turn on the lights before heading to the door. By now there is more knocking, almost desperate this time. You look through your peephole or through the ring monitor, To see a pair of small children, aged about 10 or 12 years old, standing in front of your door. They are dressed in dirty hoodies that seem a little too big for their small frames. It's my son! Sorry. Why is your son out at midnight knocking at your door? You've met him, right? This is true. It might seem that these children need help, and they do not appear to be threatening So you carefully open the door a little, on the alert for any hidden dangers. Asking what the children want, they ask for your help and want to come inside, while keeping their heads down and their hoods shading their faces. You politely say no, but that they should go home. They are persistent and insist that they do not have any weapons. They will even explain that they cannot come in unless you invite them in. That is when you get a closer look at them and your eyes go wide. You will notice something is not right about these children. Their eyes, pure black, from lid to lid. Dead black orbs devoid of sclera or iris send chills up your spine. <laughs> You are now face-to-face with an urban legend of paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16. These creatures with pale skin and black eyes have reportedly been seen hitchhiking, panhandling, or at the doorsteps of residential homes. Over the past 30 years, dozens of stories keep spreading, all following a very similar pattern. Kids with eyes completely blacked out appear at people's homes or vehicles, knock on the door, and then insist upon getting inside. Anyone who has encountered them has almost immediately felt an overwhelming sense of dread. Besides blacked out eyes, these children typically appear normal. Sometimes their attire seems outdated. So join us today as we open our doors within the mist to discover the black eyed kids. This is a really good one though. I mean I've seen the movies. Isn't there movies about it? Um there's Village of the Damned which oh, deals right. with That's spooky it. kids. They're not exactly black eyed kids, but other than that, they do have the same similarities.
1: Yeah most kids are spooky anyway.
0: And we'll discover even more why. <laughs> Chapter one the movies. The modern legend of the black eyed kids, or Becks, can be traced back to January 16, 1998. Brian Bethel, a journalist for the Abilene Reporter News, posted on an online message board describing his apparent encounter with a pair of creepy children who had these solid black eyes. He would later write of his experience in a 1996 news story posted in the Abilene Reporter News on April 13th of 2013. So that was the first time? That was the first modern okay. uh, appearance of the Black Eyed Kids that really caused the urban legend to take root. Okay. I thought that was like earlier than that. This is probably the most famous story of it that kind of caught everyone's attention. Okay. And his story goes like this. I had gone down to the former site of Camelot Communications, one of the area's original internet providers, to pay my bill. At the time, Camelot was located on North 1st Street, near the movie theater, in the shadow of what is now Chase, then Bank One. I was using the light of the theater's marquee to write out my check, which I planned to put in the Camelot's night drop slot. Involved in my work, I never heard them approach. There was a knock on my driver's side window. Two young boys, somewhere between 9 to 12 years old, and dressed in hooded pullovers, stood outside. I cracked the window a bit, anticipating a spiel for money. But I was immediately gripped by an incomprehensible, soul racking fear. I had no idea why. A conversation ensued between one boy, a somewhat suave, olive-skinned, curly-headed young man, and myself. The other, a red-headed, pale-skinned, freckled young man, stayed in the background. The spokesman, as I've come to think of him, told me that he and his companion needed a ride. They wanted to see a movie, Mortal Kombat, but they had left their money at their mother's house. Could I give them a ride? Plausible enough, but all throughout this exchange, the irrational fear continued and grew. I had no reason to be frightened of these two boys, but I was. Terribly. After a bit more conversation, I looked up at the theater marquee and then down at the digital clock display in my car. Mortal Kombat's last show of the night had already started. By the time I could have driven the boys anywhere and back, it would practically have been over. All the while, the spokesman uttered assurances. It wouldn't take long. They were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. This last part was a bit unnerving. I noticed that my hand had strayed towards the lock of my door. I pulled it away, perhaps a bit too violently. In the short time I had broken the gaze of the spokesman, something had changed, and my mind exploded into a vortex of awe-consuming terror. Both boys stared at me with cold, black eyes. The sort of eyes one sees these days on aliens or bargain basement vampires on late night television. Soulless orbs like two great swaths of starless night. I did what I felt any rational person would do. I full-on freaked out inside while trying to appear completely sane and calm. I apologized to the kids. I made whatever excuses came to mind, all of them designed to get me the hell out of there, fast. The aura of fear was now a palpable black hanging thing, almost as if reality itself was warping around me. I wrapped my hand around the gear shift, threw the car into reverse, and began to roll up the window, apologizing all the while. My fear must have been evident. The boy in back wore a look of confusion. The spokesman banged sharply on the window as I rolled it up. His words, full of anger, echo in my mind even today. We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. Just like a vampire. I drove out of the parking lot in blind fear. And I'm surprised I didn't sideswipe a car or two along the way. I stole a quick look in my rearview mirror before peeling out into the night. The boys were gone. Even if they had run, I don't believe there was any place they could have hidden from my view that quickly. Cool. And that was his encounter with the black-eyed kids. It's kind of freaky. Awesome, but freaky. Definitely not something you would forget. No. Well, what Bethel did is that he wrote down the story of what had happened more or less as a cathartic exercise. And he shared it with a small group of friends on an email listing. From there, it got out into the wider Internet and grew and grew and became the phenomenon that everyone is familiar with today.
1: I remember those Internet emails.
0: (sighs) All the little chat groups and news groups. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, over time, there was a term coined for what he had seen. Bex, black-eyed kids. He said he wouldn't have chosen that as a term personally, but it is the acronym that the internet knows today. Though this is the most well-known version of the first encounter with the black-eyed kids, it was not the first to be documented, as a similar encounter occurred in Virginia during the 1950s. Chapter 2, Harold's Run for His Life.
1: Yeah, if I run it, you better see who's chasing me.
0: Well, famed paranormal author David Weatherly was told of this encounter by a man who came from a long line of farmers in rural Virginia. The story had been passed down from generation after generation about one of their own, a 16-year-old boy named Harold. The legend goes that while Harold was walking home just before sunset one day, he got to the fence line that leads to his house. Once there, he discovered another boy was leaning on the fence post. It was someone he had never seen before, and the stranger appeared to be about 10 to 12 years old, and not anyone Harold had ever met before in the small community. And Harold was familiar with everyone in town.
1: Well, yeah, especially if you're a kid. Go to school with everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Everyone goes to the same places and hangs out. You know.
0: Well, Harold was a very friendly individual, so he decided to strike up a conversation with the strange boy, who continued not to respond, but instead stared at the dirt road under his feet, totally unresponsive to anything Harold had to say. This was something new to Harold, who was great at making friends with everybody and confused him because of the lack of conversational engagement. He thought that maybe there was something wrong. Hey, are you okay? This was the first time that the strange boy acknowledged his existence. Without looking up, he responded, I want to go to your house. You are going to walk me up to your house. To Harold this was another odd thing about the boy. Why would a strange kid want to come to his house? They're supposed to be friends. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it was just then that a chill began running up Harold's spine. It was as if some sort of primal fear was responding to the presence of the strange boy. It was at this moment that Harold saw him look up for the first time. The strange boy revealed solid black eyes without any sign of any white or any color. Harold's fight or flight instinct now took over. He looked up from the road towards his house, but his legs were frozen in place, unable to move despite how hard he tried to go. Oh, Lord. His brain was calculating just how long of a run it was from the fence post to his front door, but he wasn't able to move a muscle. As if reading his mind, the strange boy exclaimed almost without emotion, Now don't you walk away from me. You're going to walk me up to your house. The hidden threat from the boy's statement was enough to motivate Harold's legs to finally work. He turned away from the stranger and ran with a speed that he never knew he was able to reach. Halfway up the road, there was a wild scream behind him. It was almost as if it was made by an animal more than by a person. The scream was furious, and this motivated Harold to run even faster, convinced that the boy with the black eyes was racing behind him and was about to snatch him and take him away forever. Once Harold reached the front door, he stumbled in through the front and slammed it behind him. The commotion caused his mother to appear. She saw him all out of breath and asked him what was wrong. Once Harold was able to recover, he decided to tell his parents all about his encounter with the black-eyed kid. Harold's father immediately grabbed his shotgun and went outside to look for this menacing boy that had threatened his son.
1: Damn, Now that take my gun. I'm going to shoot him.
0: Well, he wasn't going to play with someone who obviously terrified Harold so much. Now, while he was out there, his father saw no sign of the boy on the road or along the fence. After a few minutes, he returned inside. He and Harold's mothers asked for the boy to repeat his story once more. Harold was sure to end the story with the statement that the strange boy was as solid as you or me, so he knew that it wasn't a ghost. Harold's parents believed the story, knowing that their son was not one to lie or to make up tales. They had heard of strange events out there in the country, and pretty much everyone was familiar with ghost stories of one type or another, but they had never heard of anything as bizarre or frightening as what had happened to their son. Harold's mother was convinced that her son had an encounter with the devil himself. To protect him and the family, she had made him change his clothes to his Sunday best and then took him to the church for a blessing by the clergyman. According to the future generations of the family, Harold would tell his children that he always tried to forget the strange boy, but he could never get the image of him out of his head or those soulless black eyes that would constantly haunt him to the end of his days. Family legends are a great way to learn about the encounters of the black-eyed kids, but the number of stories involving these terrifying teenagers really bloomed with the Internet.
1: Of course they did. Everything bloomed with the Internet. I mean, which is two different ways you can look at it. I mean, you can look at it like people just making up stuff across the Internet. Or that's a good way to get your story out for millions of people to hear it.
0: And one good thing is, is that the number of stories about black eyed kids that came out helped to focus that there was one area above any others that kind of had the highest potential of having a black eyed kid encounter.
1: Yeah, what's that?
0: Well, chapter three, the center of Beck sightings.
1: Wait, the center is in a building? Kind of more (laughs) of
0: a a location.
1: Okay. I mean, is there people that actually study this
0: stuff? There are a lot of uh, paranormal investigators on black-eyed kids. Oh, that's cool. In fact, I will bring you up to speed on one of them right now. Awesome. Because if there is a hotbed of black-eyed kid sightings, it may well be Canuck Chase in Staffordshire of the United Kingdom. The locals know the area for its beauty and its scenic land hiking trails. However, those experienced in studying the paranormal know the region for something far more sinister. According to reports, to include police records, this area of Staffordshire is a hot spot for UFOs, phantom big cats, and the black-eyed kids. The number of sightings even warranted the Birmingham Mail to publish an article concerning paranormal investigator Lee Brickley's attempt to investigate the multiple sightings of the black-eyed children in the area.
1: I think it's Staffordshire.
0: Staffordshire? I think so. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Staffordshire then the rest of this way. That way I can be wrong only half the time. There you go. But let's get back to Brickley. Brickley claimed that black-eyed kid sightings were prevalent in the 1980s, even citing a time that his aunt and friends saw one on Canuck Chase in 1982. His story is, quote, In the summer of 1982, my aunt was 18 years old, and she and her friends would often meet on Canuck Chase in the evening time, probably in much the same way many teenagers still do today. One evening, just before dark, she heard a little girl frantically shouting for help. Rushing to locate the sound, she stumbled upon a dirt track and caught sight of the girl, about six years old, who was running in the opposite direction. When my aunt caught up, the girl turned around and looked her in the eyes, and then ran off into the dark woodlands. Her eyes had been completely black, with no trace of white. There was a police search, but to no avail. At the time, no one had any reason to believe anything paranormal was going on. The girl certainly appeared to be of flesh and blood. Now, Brickley also said there had been other recent sightings in the area as well. On his website, he told of one sighting by a local woman. Quote, My daughter and I were walking through Birch's Valley when we heard the screams of a young child. We instantly started running towards the noise. We couldn't find the child anywhere and so stopped to catch our breath. That's when I turned around and saw a girl stood behind me no more than ten years old, with her hands over her eyes. I asked if she was okay and if she had been the one screaming. She then put her arms down by her side and opened her eyes, which is when I saw that they were completely black, no iris, no white, nothing. I jumped back and grabbed my daughter. When I looked again, the child was gone. Even more stories about Canuck Chase is that there was another report concerning the sighting of a Beck 30 years after it had been first seen, still a child. This story reads as, quote, On Saturday, 13th September, My wife and I were walking through Canuck Chase near to Style Cop with our dog. Once we had entered the woodland and the road was no longer visible, we started to hear the giggling noise of a little girl. To our amazement, a child no taller than one meter in height appeared as if out of nowhere further up on the path in front of us. We stopped dead in our tracks after her noticing her eyes had no color. Her head was tilted to the side in much the same way it would appear as if she had been hung. (coughs) Jeez, that's a good way to put it. I would have said you're like a dog listening,
1: but you know, whatever.
0: Well, she stared at us for about five minutes before running away into a densely grouped area of trees. My wife wanted to follow her, but I was having none of it. <laughs> Chicken. Well, this same giggling Beck would return while two 17 year olds were camping during the summer of 2021. Oh. According to Birmingham Live, the two had snuck off to camp illegally in Birch's Valley, and during the night, they heard something moving outside their tent at around midnight. Thinking it could be a deer, they remained still and quiet, not wishing to scare it. But when they realized they could hear footsteps, they unzipped the tent in order to take a look. Both of the campers heard the unmistakable sound of a small child giggling. So they turned on their flashlights, lighting up the shadowy woodland to try and find the source. One of the teenagers saw it running from tree to tree, hiding itself behind the trunks, and occasionally sneaking a peek out towards the couple before finally stepping out into the clearing in front of them. One of the campers was quoted as saying, I was absolutely terrified. I'd read the stories in the news about the black-eyed child, but it wasn't until the thing stood right in front of me that I could quite believe them. I knew instantly that we were dealing with the real thing because it moved in ways humans can't move. It was like it could teleport from one place to another when it was moving around and hiding behind the trees. The other added, quote, I was shining my torch right at her and she just stood there staring at us with her head slightly dipped. That's when the giggling started to get louder and louder. It really sounded like it was coming from all around us, even though I could see she was right in front of us. It was really disorienting for a few seconds. Then she bent down for a moment as if adjusting her shoes, stood back up, and ran off down a nearby path through a dense section of trees. The frightened pair huddled together in their tent waiting for the sun to rise, and when they emerged at seven in the morning they found piles of stones evenly spaced around the perimeter of their tent and strange stick formations hanging from the trees. They seemed to look like dream catchers which shook the couple who packed up and started the 15-minute walk back to the car.
1: Blair Witch Project.
0: There is some similarities with that in this story as well. And as they were walking, they spotted a small child with the same black eyes peering at them from behind an oak tree and screamed. The pair ran off towards the vehicle. That's pretty cool. The...
1: Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say, do you think Blair Witch got that from them, or did they get this from Blair Witch?
0: Well, this was kind of, This came after Blair Witch, so I think that some of the similarities uh, was taken from Blair Witch rather than given to. But it does connect to that earlier story of a giggling black-eyed child in the woods, right? There have been so many cases of black-eyed kids in this area that there was even a story published about a local pub called the Four Crosses Inn, which was on the market to be sold, but it had to continuously reduce its asking price because nobody wanted to buy it. It seems that the inn had been haunted by a black-eyed little girl and was frightening away any potential interest in the property. That's cool. I'd buy it. Well, the inn dated back from 1636 and was located less than three miles from Canuck Chase in Staffordshire. See, I I took your advice this time. Now, the quaint building boasts a bar and a restaurant, kitchen, stores, and a cellar. It even has 10 bedrooms on the first and second floor. Wow. This place pretty much has everything that you could ask for. Including these black-eyed children. (laughs) Just throw that in there. Well, it's the number of a ghostly Beck who visits the downstairs bar that has kept buyers away. It seems a spirit-like young girl who is dressed in tattered clothes and with only black orbs for eyes has been seen walking through the walls screaming. Hmm. Why are there so many reports of these strange entities in this region of the world. Brickley theorized that the number of paranormal events in the areas may be linked to the Conorvi, a Celtic tribe known for their blood sacrifices. And this has a lot of similarity, like disturbing Native American burial grounds. So whereas you have here in the States, uh, disturbing a Native American burial ground will cause these spirits to chase you, in the United Kingdom, do you have all of these Celtic sites that have the same effect? But there might be another even darker explanation for the sightings of black-eyed kids in the area. This one involves a child abductor and murderer, Raymond Morris of the 1960s. Oh snap. Chapter 4: The Killer of Canuck Chase. On October 14, 2020, Mark Hoover, a podcaster for Catch My Killer, wrote a blog about Margaret Reynolds, a six-year-old girl who had vanished while on her way to school in September of 1965. There was a search party of 2,000 people who went looking for her. They didn't find her. Before 1965 ended, a five-year-old little girl named Diane Tift left home to visit her grandmother. She never made it. Her brother Terrence was the last person to ever see her alive. On January 12, 1966, a man found the body of a dead girl in a ditch in Canuck Chase, The police soon arrived to investigate. After removing one body, they found the crumpled body of another dead girl.
1: The same site?
0: Yes. Someone had murdered the girls and then stacked them on top of each other. Margaret Reynolds and Diane Tift were no longer missing. They were dead. That's so
1: heartbreaking.
0: In August of 1967... A man had approached a seven-year-old girl named Christine Darby. He had pulled up to Christine and persuaded her to get into his car. Another child witnessed Christine enter the stranger's car. No one ever saw Christine alive again. Someone found her body within several days of her disappearance her unknown killer, sexually assaulted, strangled, and then dumped her body, only a mile away from the other two murdered girls. The killer eventually got careless, and while driving his green and white Corsair, he tried to abduct a fourth girl. Fortunately, a neighbor saw the abduction attempt and yelled at the man. The neighbor then called the police... And luckily, the neighbor even observed the car's license plate. Awesome. Takes a village. Well, in this case, the car belonged to a factory worker named Raymond Morris. He was a creepy man that had allegedly taken photos of schoolgirls in 1966. Authorities arrested and then tried Morris in 1969 for killing Christine Darby. One officer involved in the investigation said Morris had cold, calculating eyes and showed absolutely no remorse. It's believed he killed the other two girls, but there was only enough evidence for Morris to be charged with killing Christine. He would never see another day outside of prison. A jury convicted Morris in two hours on February 18th of 1969. He received a life sentence. After spending 45 years in prison, he died on March 11, 2014. Since then, people have claimed to have encountered ghostly children without eyes, black eyes. Some claim that they are aliens, while others have stated that they are the ghosts of murdered children. Those who have been unfortunate enough to see them claim that they have dark orbs where their eyes should be. Some people think Christine Darby spends her eternity wandering because she cannot see. The reason she cannot see is that Raymond Morris put a blindfold on Christine after abducting her. Others think Morris may have also killed and sexually assaulted many other young girls. No one knows exactly how many children Raymond Moore has killed. Could he have been the source of creating black-eyed kids in Canuck Cross? Is it possible that spirits of these deceased girls are still seeking the justice that they never received while alive? If so, are the other sightings of these eerie children that cause fear upon their parents actually lost souls looking for justice revenge or even help so we still have the question of what are black-eyed kids but there's an even more important question for you goldian right what happens if when you open the door you tell them to come on inside they bite you on the neck Ah, that's vampires um well it's it's possible these are vampires well let me help you out goldian chapter five Letting black-eyed kids inside. Mm -hmm. So what occurs when you do allow these strange children-like entities into your home? There is a story of an elderly couple in an isolated part of Vermont who did exactly that. It was one of those types of communities where neighbor helps neighbor. Nobody locks their doors. So On a late snowy winter night, there was a knocking at the front door, which woke the elderly couple who lived there. Knowing how treacherous the dirt roads can be when covered with snow, the wife believed that there must have been a car accident. The person at the door may have come to them for help. The nearby hills become very slippery during the winter season, and this type of situation has occurred on times before. The woman got up from her bed to put on her robe and made her way to the bedroom window. Looking out, she saw footprints in the snow. They were making their way from the road into their driveway, but there was no car anywhere. As she could see the road from the window, she noticed that the snow was still covering everything and there was no evidence of any accident. There was no sign of any vehicle having made its way along, and she was unable to see the front door from her bedroom window. But the motion sensor light was on, and she could see that there was a shadow standing in front of her door. She immediately shook her husband, informing the sleepy man about the knocking. It was then that a second knock to the door removed the sleep from his head, and he rose from the bed to grab his robe. Both man and woman made their way downstairs to the front door when the husband opened it. There, the two discovered that there were two children standing in the snow in front of them, looking towards the ground. It was obvious that this was a boy and a girl who could not be more than eight years old each. They were dressed strangely and had odd haircuts, with the girl's hair fashioned in a long and straight, and the boy's haircut was dated, reminiscent of a bowl cut. Neither child were properly dressed for the winter and had to be freezing, though they didn't show any signs of being cold. The two felt anxiety looking at the children, and there was something unsettling about them. Fear seemed to crawl up their spines as they talked more and more with the children. Neither of them made any form of eye contact. But, despite their unease, the husband asked the children if everything was okay. Their reply was, Can we come in? The elderly couple looked at one another with a, What do I do now look? Could they have turned these children back out into the winter storm? Would they allow these children into their homes, unknown of their purpose? The wife asked about the location of the children's parents, to which she was told that they would be here soon. They declined to say anything more. The couple's parental instincts took over, and despite their better judgment, they invited the two youngsters out of the storm and into their warm inviting home. Once beyond the doorway, they offered to help them warm up with some hot chocolate while they waited for their parents to arrive. Despite the situation of being out in the snow and lost in a snowstorm, the two children seemed quite at ease sitting in a stranger's living room their eyes still cast downwards to the floor. The only information that they would tell was in a sing-songy tone that our parents will be here soon. Our parents will be here soon. Our parents will be here soon. Okay, that's creepy. What's even creepier is that the wife noticed that three of their cats had gone into hiding as soon as the two children came into the home. The fourth one, named Pigeon, was in the kitchen with the wife as she made the hot chocolate. The cat refused to return to the other room. This struck her as odd because the cats were normally very curious and friendly, even to strangers in their home. Normally, she would have to make sure that they didn't slip outside when someone opened the door. But this night, None of them even came out to discover who the new arrivals were. All of the hair on Pigeon's neck was standing up and his tail was puffed out while he stared from the kitchen into the living room, not daring to take one step further. As the wife went to pet the poor cat and try and calm the frightened feline, he kissed, growled, and backed away until he disappeared beneath the kitchen table. This was something the wife had never seen him do before, but she decided to bring in the hot chocolate and deal with the scared cat later. Once she had returned to the living room, she hoped that the hot chocolate would lighten the oppressive air in the room. Fear seemed to permeate every cell in her body. Her sudden return caused both children to look up, revealing solid black eyes. The wife was stunned, and her eyes widened in horror. It took everything she could do not to drop the mugs of hot chocolate and run away from the sight before her. The kids noticed her reaction and both stood up to say that they needed to use the bathroom. The wife said nothing, but merely stared at them as they rose together and proceeded down the hall together to the bathroom. As soon as the black-eyed kids were out of sight, the wife turned to look at her husband. She discovered him pale and slack-jawed. It was obvious that he was in just as much shock as she was. Before they had any opportunity to discuss what to do next, the husband's nose began bleeding for no reason, something that had never happened to him before. While the wife rushed to the kitchen to get her bleeding husband some tissues, the power went out. The house was cast in complete darkness. Now this does occur from time to time during a Vermont blizzard, but this time it felt as though the circumstances was too connected with the visitors in her home she hurried back to the living room with the tissues but she was stopped dead in her tracks by the reappearance of the two kids who had returned from the bathroom they were just standing together at the end of the hall seemingly oblivious to the sudden darkness She was petrified with fear now, as the children just stood there, motionless. An eternity seemed to have gone by, woman looking at the children, the children looking at her. The only thing that broke up the tension was when the boy informed her that their parents were here. Both turned to walk to the door and exit the home. They left the door wide open. The couple rushed to the door in order to close it and lock it behind the children. But before the door closed, they were shocked to see in their driveway were the parents. The individual that the children had referred to were actually two men in black suits driving a black car. Both men were very tall, at least six feet and seemed to meld with the shadows. The husband gave a slight wave to them from the doorway, but they just stared back, got in their car with the children, and drove off without saying a single word. The couple were more relieved to have the black-eyed children out of their house, but the worst was yet to come. In the months that followed, the elderly couple lost all four of their cats. Three of them just disappeared and were presumed dead. One of them had a hemorrhage and died right there in the house in front of them for unexplained reasons. Both of the couple continued to have nosebleeds, and it was not long after the encounter that the husband was diagnosed with an aggressive form of skin cancer. His wife remained in the worst state of health she had ever experienced during her entire life. They were convinced that their ill health was linked to that snowy night that they had allowed the black-eyed kids into their home. Yeah, but what did they get out of it? Who get out of it? The black-eyed kids. I think that now there are some theories that the black-eyed kids did something to them. Um, maybe they drained some of their life force. Maybe they were just being mischievous. and maybe they explored. probed them like aliens. Well, I don't think they were probed, but I think there's some cases where they think that they might be involved in uh, telepathy or telekinesis, or they may be radioactive and that these couple were suffering from radiation poisoning. Hmm. Weird. The story is very weird. And does act as a warning of what to do when uh, children knock at your door.
1: <laughs>
0: now, now, sightings of backs did rise during the period of interest in UFOs during the 1950s. So a lot of people do theorize that they are aliens, especially when you talk about the connections to men in black. Another coincidence to the number of sightings is that they seem to occur close to military bases and airports. Hmm. Interesting. Um, The lack of photographic or video evidence even adds to the mystery of black-eyed kids, but it does make it difficult to substantiate that they do exist. The number of sightings occur at night makes it easy for skeptics to dismiss the events. You could mistake black eyes simply for night shadows or tricks of the light covering their facial features. Fear generated from meeting these entities, however, is not as easy to dismiss. And the effects that happen to the people who do get in the close proximity to them causes one to wonder what their motivations are. Yes, we don't know what their motivations were for entering the home of the elderly couple, but we do know what the effects are. Also, could all these cases be mistaken identities or hoaxes? Are they alien entities here to blend in with society, and they're just trying out to see how well they can pass off as children, and they are working with the men in black? Or are they spirits, ghostly apparitions looking for unanswered questions? Now, regardless, the possibility that danger could be knocking on your door and disguised as something as innocent as a child is something to consider should a kid appear on your front step asking to be let inside. <laughs> so I think it's time to lock our doors and make our way back out from within the mist.
1: That's a good idea.
0: Yeah. Well, we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about black eyed kids. Do you think these are spirits, aliens, or pranksters wearing dark contact lenses? You can reach us on our Facebook page within the Miss Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus we have an email at within the Miss Podcast at gmail.com. This is for any of you who would like to share your stories. We hope you enjoyed our tale of the black-eyed kids, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, look closely at the child looking at you. They may have dark orbs where there should be cheerful eyes, and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody.
1: See you next time.